This is the Redemption Church Podcast. For a list of messages, events, and more, please visit experienceredemption.com. Thanks for checking out the podcast. Here is today's message. If you have a Bible, you can open it up to Isaiah 58 this morning. Uh, We are in a uh, pre-series up to our upcoming series, and uh, we do this every year. Every year we do kind of an ad campaign around here just to let people know that we're in the neighborhood, that we exist, and kind of what we believe. And uh, I'll tell you a little bit more about that ad campaign coming up. Uh, It'll start the series, well, two weeks. Just out of curiosity, has anyone heard or seen an ad yet? Okay, so a couple of you are, yeah, they're floating around a little bit, uh, and, and you'll see a lot more of them over the next couple of weeks. And uh, the, the name of this series leading up into the series that we're going to kick off today is from Isaiah 58, and it's called this, The Sins of a Nation. The Sins of a Nation. Now, I know what some of you are thinking, well, Stephen, how can you possibly do that in two weeks? Well, uh, I'll try my best, and we'll kick it off today. There's a lot of them, and uh, we could go through a lot of different things. I'll, I'll try to keep it brief here in these two weeks. And, and the point of it is uh, that we're going to lead into Isaiah 59. Now, I've shared this verse with you guys a couple of times. I don't know if I've read it on the weekend yet. Maybe I have. Um, but let me read it one more time. It's Isaiah 59, 14 through 15, and it says this. Justice is turned back. And righteousness stands far away, for truth has stumbled in the public squares, and uprightness cannot enter. Truth is lacking, and he who departs from evil makes himself a prey. The Lord saw it, and it displeased him that there was no justice. Now, this verse hit me like three months ago now, and I have not been able to get it out of my mind because it is the perfect verse describing the world that we live in right now. Describing that there is no justice, that he who makes himself or departs from evil makes himself a target, a prey. Uh, He who makes himself, uh, he who departs from evil uh, is immediately the eyes of the world go against he, uh, that person. And, uh, and so truth has certainly stumbled in our public squares. But how do we get there? How did we get there? That is the answer. Uh, that is a question we want to pose over the next two weeks. Uh, and then next, uh, in two weeks, then we'll launch this series and we'll talk about Isaiah 59. I'm just going to teach through the chapter. But what we're going to do first is say, well, how did we get here? Because it hasn't always been this way. It hasn't always been this way in our nation. It wasn't always that way in, uh, in, in Israel, but it, it arrived there. Let me speak more plainly. How do we get to a place where as a state, we're actually going to vote on whether or not it's okay to kill babies up until eight or nine months? How do we get here? How do we get to a place where, as a state, we're going to vote whether or not it's okay for a 14-year-old to go have an abortion or to change their gender without notifying their parents? How did we get here? And how is it possible that we're in this place and that there are churches and Christians that seem to be in favor of this type of thing? And I will use the word church and Christian relatively loosely there. How did we get here? Well, I want to explain it a little bit this morning. And in the explanation of it this morning, I want, to, I want you to know this. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not like trying to individually attack anybody, okay? Uh, not that I'm necessarily opposed to that at certain times, but I, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not individually attacking anyone this morning. Uh, I I also want you to know that um, though I may not be talking directly to you this morning, I'm not not talking to you this morning, okay? And because the answer to the question, how did we get here, here's the answer. We got there because of the presence of a hypocritical nation. That's how we got here. We got to this place the same way the Israelites got to Isaiah 59. They got there because of the presence of a hypocritical nation. And so I want to walk through this morning that it is the presence of hypocrisy that leads to the destruction of a society. 
It is the presence of a hypocrisy in a nation that is perceived to be godlike. And I know that the 1619 Project and a bunch of other revisionist history, that's a bunch of lies, wants us to believe that our foundations were not as a Christian nation, but that's a lie. It's a lie. It's not consistent with actual history. And our nation for 250 years has um, sat under the blessing of building itself up on the word of God, of our initial foundation being something. That's why they called it the Presbyterian Revolution, right, or revolt, because we were building our culture and society based upon the word of God. And there has been, because when you build yourself on a rock, when you build yourself on a sturdy foundation, there's an opportunity to build something awesome then. And so we've experienced that for now 250 years, and now we're attacking that very foundation, and we're seeing the decay of a culture as a result. That's what's happening. But it's not maybe what we think. See, how we got there was not evil beginning to sneak in. How we got there was the presence or the consistent state of hypocrisy. It's exactly what happened in Israel. So I want to walk you through that this morning. And some of you might get a little angry at me. And your thought might be, Stephen, I'm not the problem. They're the problem. Well, I'm not saying you're the problem this morning. I am saying that the presence of hypocrisy in the body of Christ throughout the decades has led to where we're at today. Let me say this a different way. There was a time when 80% of our nation professed faith in Christ. 80%. At the same time, when statistics were close to 70 to 80% of people professing faith in Christ are the same times that we took prayer out of our schools. And at the same time, when there were 70 to 80% of people that were professing faith in Christ, right, according to statistics, are the same time or the same place uh, uh, when we originally passed Roe v. Wade. And we can walk through these different things, right, and say uh, that, that at a time when, when seven out of ten people were saying, yeah, no, no, I'm a Christian, right, uh, uh, these things were beginning to uh, kind of percolate underneath in our nation. That's the presence of hypocrisy. It's not genuine faith playing itself out. I got into a conversation with somebody the other day because of something I posted on my Facebook, which is a consistent thing in my life, Right. And um, they said something to the effect of, hey, Stephen, when you post things like that, it makes it harder for me to get people to get into a room with you. And I said, well, if they're not the people I'm trying to get in the room with, I don't really care, right? The other thing is this. There are certain things that are non-negotiable. And for four months, we have been saying that um, what's the point of professing Christian faith if you don't have the guts to stand in front of people and say killing babies is wrong? Like... If that, if that doesn't compel you to do something, then you are actually violating, in my opinion, you are violating one of the first 10 commandments that says, do not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Because you are taking the name of the Lord your God in vain if you profess Christ, speak in his name, and advocate for that. Somebody else said, I'm not going to bring this up because I don't want to polarize my congregation. I said, that's funny. That's exactly what I want to do. I am completely fine with polarizing our congregation on whether or not it is acceptable to kill babies. Totally okay polarizing. Somebody leaves, that's fine. I can tell you where to go. I got a list. Okay, into my sermon now. That's my intro. Remember, October and November, we get a little spicy. Pumpkin spice latte. All right, here we go. Isaiah 58. Guys, look at these opening words to this. This is the greatest thing I've ever read as a preacher. Cry aloud, do not hold back. Amen, I'm in. Like that is all the encouragement I needed right there. It's like, speak up, don't hold back. So guess what I'm going to do this morning? I'm going to speak up, and I'm not going to hold back. All right? Hope you're ready. Starts like this. Cry aloud. In other words, raise 
your voice. There are certain times when the soft voice no longer matters. There are certain times when, uh, when you're just trying to be, uh, uh, I'll use the term like vanilla, when you're just trying to like kind of skate through uh, where, where, where you totally lose any ability to have any impact because you're going to get drowned out in all of the other noise. And, uh, and, and when, when the church right now, when any church or when any pastor is just trying to skate through this season right now, I think they are violating the commandment here. They're violating the encouragement. The prophet Isaiah is being told, speak up. The nation is in trouble. Say something of meaning. Cry aloud. Now, the phrase here, cry aloud, it means two things. One, it means speak it publicly and speak it clearly. Speak it publicly and speak it clearly. Uh, isn't it true that sometimes what people want to do, uh, they want to speak about these important things. They want to speak about the fate of our nation, the fate of our world right now. They want to speak about these things, but they want to speak about them privately. Let's have a meeting. Okay, cool. Is the point of the meeting that you're going to get up and have a little bit of guts in your pulpit? <laughs> then I'll have a meeting. Uh, or, or you want to talk about it around the, the, the dinner table and, oh, man, I can't believe this is going on. I can't believe this is going on. There, there comes a time, and this is not just for me, but for all of us, where we need to cry aloud, where we need to raise the voice. And this is one of those seasons for us as a state. I think this is a time for us as a nation where we have to cry aloud. We have to speak these things publicly and raise the voice and call right, right, and wrong, wrong. Cry aloud. Speak it publicly, not just in the private place, not just in the pastor's meeting, not just with your staff. No, say it out loud. Say it out loud. Like I said, the one pastor who didn't join us this Wednesday, last Wednesday for the meeting on issue one, because he didn't want to polarize right his congregation. He, he, I, I don't want to speak this publicly because of what people, you know, half of my people, he said, half of my people might be angry. I said, well, bro, seems like you need to disciple half of your people. Because if they still think that's okay, then they've missed a huge thing. I would challenge anyone, by the way, if there is anyone in the room who doesn't agree with me, just go read the opening few chapters of each gospel. Just go read it. You can't not read that and not see how much God values life in the womb. You can't. It'll just, it'll, if the Holy Spirit is in you, it'll flood over you and become so obvious. You got to speak it publicly, loudly, publicly. Second thing is you got to speak it clearly. You got to speak it clearly. That's, to cry aloud is to speak it clearly. So right now, right now we have confusing messages. We have weak institutions and we have courageless leaders. We have those three things, and, uh, and, and it's plaguing our nation, right? It's plaguing it. We, we, have, uh, uh, we have confusing messages where we have people standing up, and, uh, and, and by the way, this is how you can always spot somebody uh, who isn't willing to take a stand. They'll say things like this. Well, I'm just trying to understand both sides. I'm trying to live in the middle of the tension, this, by the way, if you ever hear anyone say the phrase, I'm trying to live in the middle of the tension, that is a phrase that Andy Stanley came up with 15 years ago. Andy Stanley isn't even trying to live in the tension anymore. He finally gave up and he just went over to the other side, right? And so now you have the same people who are learning from their master, right? Trying to live in the tension of different things. There's no tension to live in in the midst of right and wrong. There's no tension to live in in the midst of good and evil. Good is good, evil is evil. We don't need confusing messages. We don't need um, um, churches that don't understand what biblical truth is. We don't need to, to send out to the world mixed signals from the body of Christ. We need a clear message. We have clear mess. Uh, so we have we have confusing messages right now. We have weak institutions, and, and we've seen this. We've talked about this a plenty around here. Uh, we have um, we have colleges that have uh, Christian colleges that have completely caved, 
right? Um, we have churches that are crumbling, some of them good, right? Uh, and then we have all, all these denominations that are dividing up and splitting over this and splitting over that and all of these kind of things. And some of that is good because it needs to happen. We have weak institutions all around us that used to be holding the line and the standard of truth, right? And, and now they're not. Uh, somebody else had another fun conversation. I had a lot of fun conversations this week. I had one fun conversation this week where somebody was like, so when you do that, Stephen, I want you to know, it, it, it kind of like, it repels some people. I said, perfect. <laughs> I said, I know my role. I said, I know my role in town. This is my role. I'm the pole. And poles attract and poles repel. And if I'm the pole and I stand and hold the line here, and our church, you're doing this with me, okay? By the way, we're all in on this together. Got it? All right? Okay? Let me tell you what our job is. Our job is to hold the line where the line is supposed to be held so that we can look at everybody else who wants to hold the line back there and say, if you keep holding the line back there, all of your good people are going to leave. Start believing in something. That's our job. So we're going to hold the line where the line is. And people want to bounce off. <laughs> well, it's better they bounce off here than they bounce off here. Okay? So y'all are a bunch of line holders, truth line holders. We're holding the line. We're not going to budge. And whoever wants to come with us, y'all come with us, right? We need, by the way, we need strong institutions. We need strong churches. And I said, church is, right? Us and a lot of other people in town. And I was so proud of people who showed up uh, on Wednesday, by the way. And some great connections that I think will, will play out well uh, for the future of our, our church here. We need brave leaders. We need brave leaders in this time. And when I say that, I don't just mean pastors. I mean you guys. I mean you as a brave leader in whatever it is that you do. Well, whatever role of influence that you have, whatever sphere that you play in, it is not the time for courageless leaders. It is not the time for people to try to, 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 uh, to, to kind of stand between the two sides and, and lean back and forth and this way and that way. Listen, more than ever before, isn't it so obvious what is good and what is evil? What is right and what is wrong? I mean, we, we can just, we can see it. Like, uh, part of our little shtick here for the upcoming series uh, is this. There, there was a time, right, when we would look into something and go, man, I don't know if that's the truth or that's the truth. I don't know if they're lying or he's lying. I don't know. Now, we just look out and we're like, everybody's lying. It's like everyone is. And it's no good when the church joins in. The church, the brave leadership, you guys being the church out wherever you are, being brave, taking courage, and standing for that which is right. Cry aloud. Cry aloud. And we, we as a body of Christ here in our city, um, we've got to continue to cry aloud. We've got to continue to be clear, to be public, right? And to be loud, to say, this is right, that's wrong, we're going to hold the line. It says, cry aloud. Second thing he says after this is, do not hold back. Whoo! I underlined that in my Bible. That's a good line. Do not hold back. What does it mean to not hold back? Well, I think you all know that, but it means we just got to speak that which is true. We, we got to lay it out what it is and, 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 and to not be in reservation because we're, we're scared of backlash, to not be in reservation uh, because we're scared somebody might leave, to not have reservation because, oh, well, what are, what are people going to think? No, he says, don't hold back. So in a moment here, I'm going to not hold back on how it is that we got to here as a nation. And again, we got here because of the presence. Isaiah 58 is probably the most, outside of Matthew 23, the, probably the most famous passage of Scripture about spiritual hypocrisy. Isn't it interesting? That, that the most famous passage of, uh, of Scripture about hypocrisy, what follows after it is the decay of a nation. In Matthew 23, by the way, which is the, probably the most famous uh, passage of Scripture on spiritual hypocrisy, I'll read some of it in a second. What follows after that? Jesus talks about the end, the end of days, right? Almost like there's a correlation. 
between spiritual hypocrisy, Christian hypocrisy, right, and then a decay. One thing happens, then the next happens. By the way, then, what's the, what's the response? How do you fight back? Genuine faith rises. And we've seen this over and over. But God, when he sees genuine faith arising, then he moves, he redeems, he revives, he restores, he brings back. That's why not all hope is lost, right? It's why we have a hope in the gospel always. Because genuine faith then brings back restoration, which is part of what we're going to talk about. So he says, do not hold back. Now, in Matthew 23, Jesus, I just referenced that, he did not hold back. Let me read a little bit of Matthew 23. It won't be on your screen, but let me read it to you. But woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you shut the kingdom of heaven in people's faces, for you neither enter yourselves nor allow those who would enter to go in. In other words, you make it really hard by the way you act for other people to embrace Christ. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you travel across sea and land to make a single proselyte, and when he becomes a proselyte, you make him twice as much a child of hell as yourselves. That is one of my favorite lines in the Bible. You make him twice as much a child of hell as yourselves. So woe to you. Woe to you. Woe to a, the, the, the church. Woe to all of those who profess and claim Christ when you make barriers for people's entry. When, when you lead them to conversion, but you end up destroying them in the process. He goes on. There's a bunch of other woes in here as well. Jesus did not hold back. Before I get into my next part too, let me give one other thing that Jesus said was this. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. And what Jesus was talking about there is how sin spreads. This is true for you individually, by the way. It's true for, for each and every one of us. That, that like when we, when we allow a little sin in our heart, it grows and it grows and it grows and it grows. That's why we deal with it immediately. That's why I always use the metaphor of snow. It's a lot easier to shovel the snow when it first hits. You wait 24 hours, right? In our current trend, it's going to snow on Tuesday probably, right? You wait. It's really hard then. Sin's so different. It piles up, it piles up, it piles up, it piles up. I don't know. Get rid of it at the beginning. As soon as the thought comes in, dismiss it. As soon as you do the act, run to the cross. Get rid of it soon. Well, what about if that doesn't happen as a nation? Well, then what happens? It piles up, it piles up, and it piles up. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. Now, in the series we're going to do, uh, go ahead, Peggy, throw up, if you could, the, uh, the series slide, okay? Uh, so it's called An Exciting Game of Two Lies and a Truth. This is the front end of the mailer, by the way. I'm going to walk you through it a little bit. Uh, so just hold it right there for now, Peggy. Uh, and the idea is this, that we're going to present uh, in each sermon two lies and a clear truth, okay? Two lies and a truth about the world that we live in. Uh, we're going to send this out to, I think, 20,000 people or so. And, uh, and it's going to have, you know, that verse on it right there, all of that kind of stuff. And then we're going to invite them to play a little game uh, when they get their mailer. And I'm, I'm going to invite you guys here in a second. In a second, you're going to get to play the game too. And so in your mind, right, you're going to see the public square that's out there. And then you're going to identify which one is the, the two lies. And, and I know some of you are like, isn't the game two truths and a lie? It is, but it's so hard to find two truths right now that we want two lies and a truth. Got it? Way easier today, okay? All right, so, little snapshot. Let's play the game in your own head. Okay, go ahead, next slide. Okay, so we've got movies, two lies and a truth. The Barbie movie, the Disney movie, or Disney Plus, and Sound of Freedom. Everyone got it? Pretty easy one, right? All right, let's go to the next one. Religions, woke churches, the coexist symbol, and biblical Christianity. We got it? Okay, so you'd circle that one. Next one. This one's a fun one. The New York Times, CNN, and the Babylon Bee. Okay. The funny thing is, it's really easy, right? You're like, I know which one's telling me the truth. You can take that off. We've got five more. That's going to go out. By the way, if uh, it'll help you to invite some people, you can grab one of these on your way out today. Let me give you two lies and a truth today. We're practicing for our series. Lie number one is this. Individual sin, churches and nations do not. Lie number two is this. 
National sin leads to church sin, which leads to individual sin. That's not true. Here's the truth. Individual sin leads to church sin, which leads to national sin. That's the flower. It starts here. Let me read another verse as a way of setup this morning. You're like, set up? You've been talking for an hour already. 1 Peter 4.17. For it is time for judgment to begin at the household of God. And if it begins with us, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? In other words, start here. Start here. Start with you. Look in the mirror first. This is always, by the way, a good advice in every part of your life. Your marriage, look in the mirror first, right? I identify you first. What's going on in you? Now, as I referenced earlier, uh, as I walk through uh, some of this stuff here in a moment, I want to say, again, a couple of things. Uh, one thing I want to say is this. Um, if, if I bring up something that is a part of your past and you've repented for that thing, you do not need to feel any condemnation this morning or any shame. My, my aim is not here to, to condemn or shame anyone. I'm trying to explain some things, but I will say this. If I bring some things up this morning and you begin to feel some Holy Spirit conviction, good. That's good. We're followers of Christ. We want to be convicted by the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen. Amen. We do. We do. And so if you feel some conviction this morning, that's great. Don't believe the lie. And one of the lies of the enemy is that you or I begin to think that conviction is condemnation or guilt. And we go, oh, he's just trying to make me feel guilty. No, that's the Holy Spirit trying to get you to change. Okay? Now, if you have repented, if you've moved on, if it's in your past, then you walk in the freedom of God. You walk in the beauty and the freedom of the gospel. And there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Okay? I don't care what that is. I don't care what I bring up this morning. Okay, I brought up abortion. I don't care if it was an abortion in your past. It doesn't matter. The grace of God has covered you. Walk in your freedom. Walk in your freedom this morning. Okay? All right. So we're going to look at a little path this morning called Individual Church Nation. Because this is how we get to Isaiah 59. It starts in the individual. It moves to the church. And then it goes to a nation. And I'm going to show you the progression as we go. Starts with the individual. I want to point out three. I just picked three, three paths that we're going to walk out. Picked the three because the scripture said don't hold back. So I figured, well, let's hit the ones that hit at almost as many people as we can. Okay? To not hold back. Sexual sin, financial sin, and spiritual lethargy. Sexual sin, financial sin, spiritual lethargy. Don't hold back. Don't hold back. When the church, even today, how many people profess Christ in our country? Profess, oh, I'm a Christian. In all of our denominations, in all of our things, all of our cultural understanding, right? And so, again, I'm not just speaking to our room right here. I'm not not speaking to our room, but I'm not just speaking to our room. I'm speaking as we look across a nation that professes Christ, right, or that raises their hand and says, oh, we're a Christian nation, or oh, no, I'm a Christian, oh, no, no, I was, I was raised this, I was raised that, right, and we see sexual sin happen in the same percentages, right, that's the presence of hypocrisy, that's the presence of hypocrisy, let me just say this in a different way, if we had the same, if we had people who were living out a biblical faith, 50, 60, 70, 80% of a nation truly living out biblical faith, then the, the rise of these things would not have nearly been what they were. Pornography, fornication, adultery, to name a few. We say this all the time, right? Uh, biblical sexuality is man, woman, marriage. Man, woman, circle, marriage. That's it. Like, that's it, right? And again, if you've, if you've fallen short, great. We, we, we all fall short from the glory of God and his perfect standard. Repentance, grace. But when we have a nation of people who profess faith in Christ and sexual sin is this rampant today, no, uh, yes, but, but even look 20, 30 years ago. It's the presence of a hypocritical nation. Financial sin. Financial sin. Greed. First Timothy tells us, he who desires to be rich should be warned. 
right? That when there's something in your heart that is driving you toward more, 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 right? Injustice, injustice, financial injustice, right? When, when we're willing to cheat, when we're willing to steal, when we're willing to fudge the line, when we're willing to do whatever little thing we can that isn't fully just, right? But it will gain us money. Consumerism, a complete lack of contentment that thinks the more I get, the more I get, then I'll finally be happy. And we're driven by that next purchase. We're driven by that next comparison, right? We're driven or by comparison to the person around us. I got to beat them. I got to look better than them. The, the high school reunion's coming up. I got to get the new car, whatever it might be. We're driven by that. And when we had, we had a nation of people professing Christ and all of this stuff on the absolute rise, it's the presence of a hypocritical nation. What about spiritual lethargy? 60, 70% of people professing faith in Christ, Right? Oh, and the apathy to the things of God, the presence of worldliness, declining attendance in the body of Christ, right? This is the presence of a hypocritical nation. Now, some of these may be personal to some of us. I would think all of this is to some extent. Repent. Believe in the gospel. Let Jesus change you. Walk in grace and freedom. But do repent. Do repent. Do walk in that. But this has been rampant now for decades in our country. Now, where then did that lead? Well, let's go to the next one. It led then, and so that was the individual. By the way, uh, let me show you where I'm getting this in the text. Cry aloud, do not hold back. Lift up your voice like a trumpet. And I know my voice is more like a flutophone than a trumpet, but bear with me. Declare to my people okay, individuals, their transgression to the house of Jacob, their sins, the body, individual body, right? It's right there in the text, individual, my people, individual, and the house of Jacob, the whole body, right? And so first to the individual, then, then to the body of Christ, or, or to them, the nation of Israel, test the body of Christ, declare to them the house. Now, I, I hope none of these three things are present in our body here, right? But individually, when that is on the rise, right, across the nation, then what happens? Well, you arrive at a place where you have a sexually deviant church. And we have seen this in the last decades, right? Sex scandals, rampant unbiblical divorce. I do say unbiblical divorce. Rampant unbiblical divorce, cover-ups. Uh, I mean, some of the grossest things that we have seen. It's kind of like Paul said to the church in Corinth. He's like, even unbelievers find this gross, right? That's what he said to the church in Corinth. And there are things that we have seen in the body of Christ, right? Churches as a whole, whether they're churches or they're church leaders or their denominations or whatever they might be, where we look in, we go, this is disgusting. Like even the world can look in. There's a famous pastor uh, a couple of years ago who got caught up in something, and it was so disgusting that even Joe Rogan was like, I know that's not right. Like at the moment Joe Rogan is calling you out, pastor, like you've probably crossed the line, right? But individual sin, when it gets prevalent then, a little leaven leavens the whole lump. Then it begins to work its way through the body. Next one, financial deviant church. Churches that are strapped by debt, churches uh, mostly unconcerned with the poor, churches who are just building an earthly kingdom. And we, we've seen some of this, whether you've seen it in documentary or you've just seen it in practice, right, where you see like a, the church with, 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 with hundreds of millions or billions of dollars, right, and this building this earthly kingdom, building this earthly kingdom, building this earthly kingdom, strapped in uh, unbiblical principles and how we deal with our money, strapped in massive amounts of debt or, or, uh, or, or just building these massive, right, like filling every barn possible, right, to preserve wealth and power. You see this then. And it happens in the individual, then you see it in the church. And then when you have spiritual lethargy in the individual, then where does it move to? To the dead church. To the dead church. And what is the dead church? No preaching of the gospel. We saw this begin to happen in, in, in widespread 30, 40 years ago, right? Even in our denominations where they began replacing the idea of the cross or replacing the idea of the gospel, right? And you kind of talk about the Bible, but you don't preach the gospel, no acts of love, 
right? There's no love present in the body of Christ, no desire for holiness. These are all present, uh, 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 where these things are present. Uh, this is the presence then of the dead church. And, and spiritual lethargy then in individuals leads to spiritual uh, dead churches. And so you look around and you wonder why all of these buildings are empty. You wonder why all of these denominations are dying. It is no wonder. Where there is no life, where there is no love, where there is no pursuit of holiness, and where there is no proclamation of the gospel because of years of individual spiritual lethargy, it will lead to that in the body of Christ. And it'll die. And so it goes from the individual, and then after the individual, it went to the church, and then it flooded the church, and then where did it go? The nation. The nation. How did we get here? How did we get to a place where we're going to vote what we're going to vote on in November? And look how quickly we have moved. Remember in um, 2006, that is not even 20 years ago, the state of California by popular vote voted against legalizing gay marriage. Did you hear what I just said? That was 17 years ago. Haven't you seen all of those videos, right, of leading uh, now people who are now a, a proponents of gay marriage and, 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 and everything, like just 15 years ago running on platforms, right, running on platforms uh, against and opposed to legalizing gay marriage? In 15 years, that's quickly we have moved. How did we move this quickly? Unchecked individuals then lead to deviant churches, leads to a fallen nation. The presence of a hypocritical nation. And then what happens is this. Unlike some things, when it moves from this to this, the power of it doesn't diminish, it grows. And so individual sin in the heart rampant pornographic use leads to sexually deviant churches in gross ways, leads to a nation that is grossly sexually deviant. The LGBTQIA+, I, I don't know if that's accurate, I didn't check this morning. I'm glad some of you got that. I mean, sex trafficking, we had half of our House of Representatives of our nation refused to watch a video that highlighted sex trafficking. Are you kidding me? How do you get there? I explained. But it goes up, not down. It goes up, not down. It gets worse. How do we get here? How do we have sex trafficking like this? How do we have gender mutilation? How, how are we talking about this with our children? Next, individual greed leading to a greedy church leads to what? I mean, I just said a filthy, rich, but broke nation. I mean, we got more money than anybody. We are $33 trillion in debt. We have the beginnings or the middles of a welfare state, which is completely contrary to the way that God has set up humans to flourish. We have rampant greed and corruption in every level of our country. Every level. How did we get here? One to the next to the next. Third, how do you go from spiritual lethargy to dead churches? What's next? A post-Christian culture. And friends, that's where we're at now. I had a friend of mine. He was just down in Australia. And he was there. And uh, he was traveling to different churches and, and going there and he was speaking and all of that kind of stuff and um, average attendance when he would show up to these things. And he's a pretty well-known guy. Um, and uh, he'd show up and, and there'd be 50, 60 people there. And they would go, man, isn't this awesome? Isn't this awesome? And we were chatting the other day on the phone and I said, so, so tell me about it. He just said, you know what's interesting? He, he said, as I'm talking to the, to, to the pastors there and the leaders there of the Australian church, he said, they know this, that they have zero he said, not even a glimmer. He said, they have zero political hope. He said, they're not even trying anymore. They're not even trying anymore. He said, the, they, they know the only thing they have is each other in the body of Christ. That's it. 
He said, they, they just threw up their hands like we can't win politically anymore. And so the nation is just going to continue to follow the, the trend that it's on. We've already seen this. They're stealing their rights and all these other things that are going to come with this and everything like that. And they said, now we just have each other. Why? It, why? It's a post-Christian culture now, right? And, and what are we about to step into? A post-Christian nation. We're, we're, we're seeing the beginnings of it now. I mean, our education system, right, completely gone. We've talked about this. Our political environment, enough said. Our cultural norms, completely changed. And I've said this before. You cannot underestimate the weight of, um, of national law affecting a culture. There's no, there's no mystery that Oberfell happens in 2015 and our nation goes whoosh in the next seven years. It's like our nation looked at God and said, hey, I know right at the beginning you established something, I don't care. And God says, okay, okay. You want to come after the very first thing I created. Really? The very first thing God ordained was what? Marriage. And then as a nation in 2015, we basically gave God the finger. Look what's happened. This is not a mystery. You, we don't get to look at God forever and say, we hate you and your ways, but bless us. And you say, well, what about the blessings that we still live under? Yeah, you reap what you sow. And so we're still living off of some of the previous obedience. But guess what? It's running out. All right, you tracking with me? Okay. That's how we got here. So what do we do? So what do we do? You know, two, two passive action here. One, well, actually, okay. First, it starts with you. It starts with the individual. Repent. Pray. Live by God's word. Repent. Pray. Live by God's word. If a little leaven leavens the whole lump, right? The opposite is true. A little bit of you living for God brings life. And so let us start with you, friend. Let the gospel break in deeper. May your life reflect the glory of God and his goodness more. Repent. Pray. Live by God's word. Next thing is the church. What does the church got to do? Us, yes, but the church as a whole. If you weren't here last week, this is why I told you we're, we're hosting a conference in March. We're going to invite every pastor uh, within 100 miles of here. We're going to invite them in. We're going to bring in some speakers. We're going to spend some money, all of this kind of stuff. And it's not just for pastors. It's for all of us, by the way. And I'm very excited about a couple of the speakers. And we will announce a couple of them over the next couple of weeks. You say, well, why are we doing this? One, we want to disciple ourselves more. Okay, and there's just something about a conference that kind of like, you know, it moves you. Secondly, we're going to do it because we want to help retrain the body of Christ in our, in our area. We can't affect the whole world, <laughs> right? But we can start right here. And so we're going to invite all the pastors in a 100-mile radius. We're going to say, come on, listen to who God is using right now to stand for truth, okay? And let's come in, let's be trained, let's be taught, let's be discipled so we can go back into our churches then, okay? Because the second thing then, if it's the individual, the next thing is the church, it's the church. And so what does the church need to do as a whole across our nation? Repent. Repent. We need every denomination that is split over biblical lines to repent and to return to the word of God. We need every church and pastor right now who lacks courage to stand up for that which is right and true to repent and to return to the word of God. We need the church as a whole to repent, to pray, and to return to the word of God. And so we always have to do our, first, our, our, our part, and we'll, we'll always go first. And then we'll call those with us around us to do the same.
And then as a nation, we have to do the same thing. Repent, pray, and return to the word of God. And so we'll pray. We'll pray at every level, that in every part, all around our nation, and here's the fun thing. The fun thing right now is this, that when God moves in his spirit, he doesn't just tend to move in one place. He's moving all over. And I do want you to be encouraged, and I believe all over the country right now, there are churches, and there are leaders, and there are pastors, and there are things happening that are very similar to what we are talking about here. We are not alone in this fight. And the fact that we're not alone in this fight reminds me that we are all connected by the power of the Holy Spirit and that there is one spirit who uh, is understanding, right, that the, the, the age of hypocrisy must die, but then real faith thrives. See, in Isaiah 58, about halfway through, he says, if you repent and if you return, this is what will happen. He says, the Lord will guide you continually. He will satisfy your desires in scorched places. He will make your bones strong, and you shall be like a watered garden, like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. And your ancient ruins shall be rebuilt. You shall rise up the foundations of many generations. You shall be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of streets to dwell in. In other words, I'll build it back. I'll build it back. It will be rebuilt. And it will be rebuilt through the return to genuine faith. And so we get to start here. Will you pray with me? Father, we care enough about what is going on in our world to stop here for a moment. We start with us, each individual. You heard me teach. You know what the Holy Spirit convicted. Don't be mad at me. Father, we repent of sexual sin. We repent of financial sin. We repent of an apathetic spirit. Light the fire in us holiness, passion for your name. Some of you today, it might be, you just have not believed in Christ as your salvation. Do so right now. Jesus paid it all on the cross for you. Believe in the gospel. Enter into your salvation. Father, as a church, right here, just us, as a body, if we have allowed things to go unchecked, reveal them to us. If there's a little leaven leavening the whole lump right now that we need to be aware of, Lord, bring it to the surface. Help us to handle it with grace and truth. Father, if you would redirect the way you would want us to handle your resources, we are open to your spirit. We desire no earthly kingdom. It's all yours anyway. Lord, if we have lacked love, if we have failed to preach the gospel, 
we repent. We hold no wrong view of our own perfection. And Father, for our nation, we pray. For the church as a whole and for our nation. That you would bring it to its knees. That it would repent and turn from its sinful practices. That we would honor you with the wealth you have bestowed upon it. And that you would return us not to a hypocritical Christian culture, but a vibrant and alive people. A city on a hill. Restoring the word of God to our institutions, our law, and our way of life. Father, we understand that this is a very tall task. So we will not attempt to take on more than we can handle. Allow us to be faithful right here in what you have given us. Allow us to be unified as a church family as we walk together. Give us your Holy Spirit wisdom and inspiration as we take steps forward. May our hearts, each heart in here, be rooted in Christ and Christ alone. May we grow ourselves up in love, reflecting Christ fully as a unified body. May this be a place of hope for all of those who are hurting. May it be accessible to all of those who don't understand faith. And may you use us to be the hands and feet of Christ in our area. Wherever you lead, we will follow. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for joining us for today's message. For more information, you can visit Experience Redemption on Instagram or Facebook for updates, service times, and ways you can get connected. Want to partner and support the work of Redemption Church? You can give online at experienceredemption.com slash giveonline to explore your giving options. We also stream services on both YouTube and Facebook Live, so be sure to join us and share your experience. Thanks for checking out the podcast. We will see you soon.